My name is Ashley Lauren Rogers. I'm the creator and producer of the Is a Transphobic podcast. I use she, her, and they, them pronouns. And today I'm being joined by... Ty Defoe. Awesome. How are you doing, Ty? How, how have you been uh, these, these past, this past year? Oh, I'm, I'm good. Is this where I, in- this is where I introduce myself? Right. Yes. Yep. Okay. <laughs> you can you can say whatever you want. You can oh. tell people tell people all about you. I just you know I wanted to kind of like check in, see how you were doing. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. I guess I'll formally introduce myself since I don't know many of the podcasters out there. But looking forward to like you know sonically meeting everybody. Buju everyone. Buju buju saguli Thai Defoe Indigenous cause was swung. So Ty Defoe is my name. I'm from the Eagle and Turtle Clan. My pronouns are he, him, his, we, or just Ty also works. Um, I'm from the Oneida and the Ojibwe tribal nations here in Turtle Island. So if you're tuning in worldwide um, over here, it's sort of where uh, Lake Superior is located. Um, and I guess identify as an interdisciplinary artist, a performer, a writer. I mean, come on, folks, don't box me in. I don't want to be boxed in. Stop putting your binaries and borders on me. Um, that's why I identify as an interdisciplinary artist in all of its tendrils. Yeah, because I, I like I know you from being a part of the uh, trans. Uh, we we were a part of the same cohort in the trans theater lab. Uh, so like I, I I loved sitting down across from you. I loved like getting notes from you and just just chatting with you. So this is part of the reason I wanted to bring you on here is just like talking a little bit about art, talking a little bit about who you are, talking a little, letting people know who is Ty Defoe. <laughs> That was, you know, way back when we could sit across from each other. That was so wonderful. Sharing snacks, talking about wrestling, talking about, you know, all the things that trans people talk about. Like, yeah, how important. So the we're important. doing some like, like anthropology of our peoples, Ashley. It's it's honestly, if nothing else, I feel like I should put that on the card for the Is a Transphobic Podcast. Is a Transphobic Podcast doing the anthropology of our peoples. Uh, <laughs> exactly. We are documenting. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I know that you use uh, the term interdisciplinary artist, uh, specifically, exactly like you say, so that we don't box you in. Like, what are things that draw you to art? Like, what are the things, like, is there something that is... When you sit down and you say, I'm going to make a art, like it has to be like, it has to contain something. It has to make you feel a certain way. Like, what is it that will make you create the art the way that is a tie to faux piece? Yeah, for me, I kind of look at it as I see art as a tool for social change and social impact. And I feel like part of also how I identify being a two spirit or queer individual. Um, I think it's um, a responsibility. I feel like it's also the responsibility of continuing the imagination of infinite possibilities that LBGTQ plus TGNC folks only can do, um, which is very exciting to me. But I think art is a tool for social impact. And I feel as though that the world needs to hear voices that have been silenced or oppressed over the course of history. And so I'm also looking at history's past, but also present moments. What can I do now for future generations yet to come? And so when I'm making an art piece, I think about that and oftentimes find myself um, circulating around um, science fiction <laughs> about the future because I think the past is the future and the future is the past and we are in the present moment now. Um, so that's something that really excites me. And or I'm looking and creating a piece of art that also is sort of has some kind of political satire around it because I've been very interested in thinking about joy as a form of resistance, about bringing joy towards, um, you know, queers, two-spirit people, people who've been left out of the margins. And there's some real serious shit that goes on for sure. Can I say shit on your podcast? Yeah, you you can swear on the podcast. Okay. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure. I don't, so, some podcasts, some <laughs> podcasts are very, yeah, like I, I tend to forget to ask too, and then I'll jump in and then like 
they'll be like, oh, could you take that again? But could you say something else? <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. This isn't as transphobic. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh, it's actually going to have to go in and spaceship bleep that out. I don't know. <laughs> I am going to. I'm going to find. I'm just going to bleep random words. Bleep. And people are going to say, Ty, Ty swears a lot in weird ways. I had no idea. Oh, I'm like, <laughs> Folks, the folks can't see, but I'm just deviling over in laughter. It's too good. Too good. So back to joy. Yeah, back to joy. Back to joy. <laughs> Seriousness of joy. Mm -hmm. I think it is a form of resistance. I feel like it's a form of storytelling. And I feel like joy has been medicine, just as I think that stories are medicine. There's so much healing and involved in it and there's so much um uncovering and there's so much to be discovered and i feel like joy often brings people together yeah no absolutely like i i think because i i'm very much in a, in a similar place like i feel like i'm gonna get people on board with me if i can make them laugh a lot more and and like and maybe it's not all comedy but like that idea of exactly that idea of like joy bringing people in is something that really speaks to me so oh absolutely absolutely yeah. yeah i after i said that last thing i wanted to put like s scratch and sniff stickers on us and be like yay <laughs> hold on can you just delve into that a little bit i'm, I'm here yeah. for it i'm just trying You're to figure out okay yeah. <laughs> yeah i just had this <laughs> see we can create worlds we can world build i'm like can a podcast have stickers that smell <laughs> at the same time as we're like listening to us to have this conversation ah, i i like this idea maybe yeah. i should just come up with a bunch of scratch and stiff snickers snickers <laughs> one can smell like snickers they have a nice smell yeah if people like snickers <laughs> come on now <laughs> oh i've, I've already derailed uh, the podcast all right <laughs> my face hurts my face <laughs> I love it. That's good. That's that means that we're having a good interview. <laughs> I don't know if the listeners are gonna agree. We'll see. <laughs> Let us know. They just laugh the whole time. I don't understand. Like, Did they why? talk about stuff? Yeah. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> but you were you were a part of this year. You were a part of the the Macy's uh, Thanksgiving Day Parade. Uh, I correct. Was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because this was admittedly a very different thanksgiving day parade uh, can you can you tell us a little bit about uh why you were there and also specifically just like how it felt to be in this kind of like weird kind of new-ish parade that they tried this year yeah absolutely and just pointing out too like oftentimes referred to as thanks for taking right yeah. by many indigenous people it's like oh come on peeps um, but yeah, it, it's been a long time in the making for that particular project. Um, and when I first came to New York City, I came here, did not know anything about New York City, have had like zero friends, like had some like online folks that I knew. I had a roommate, Yenta, that set me up with a roommate in sort of the armpit of New York City, which is Times Square. And I show up with like, yeah, I'm like, wait, wait, wait. So, hey. you, so you first move into New York and you're in Times Square? Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Literally, literally. For those you know, that don't live in New York, Times Square is where everyone outside of New York thinks everyone in New York goes all the time. <laughs> Exactly. But in reality, we all avoid it like like we absolutely have to. <laughs> no, it's it's just like this place. And, you know, it's strange because like thinking back to the time in terms of timeline for also just when does transitioning end? It never ends. It's always a thing. But being in Times Square, actually, even though it's sort of now me thinking back like it was like the armpit for some time at that moment, I got to be somewhat anonymous right? There's like people in like superhero costumes that run around and want to take your picture and people are looking at the building. So for me, it was like, wow, here's a time where I'm not feeling like folks and people in the world is looking at me, where you kind of feel so small among these like magnificent LED screen lights and just strange architecture there of people trying to sell you stuff constantly. So I show up and my apartment is right there. It's like this old building squished between two, uh, two others with LED panels. 
and I show up with one suitcase and my, you know, of course, indigenous blanket. And I ring the buzzer to this apartment and this very tall, um, wonderful, lovely, smiling um, gay man answers the door and says, howdy, I'm Wesley Watley of the Thanksgiving Day Parade. And I was like, wow, I, you know, was looking for my roommate at the time. And I said, um, wow, I'm, I'm, hi, I'm Thai and um, I'm indigenous or Native American. And so just right there, it was a moment, right, of sort of polar opposite of people that you could get together to like be roommates. <laughs> but what we had in common was both being queer, right? And mm -hmm. so that was something also that we got a chance to talk about, right? And <clears throat> talk about stories and share all of that with family and everything when you live with someone. Um, and so then at that moment, um, we sat down and talked for like five hours over coffee about the Thanksgiving Day Parade. And this was, you know, um, more than a few years ago. And so then always planned on, well, what would it be like to sort of, you know, create change that 50 million viewers get to see on, you know, national television um, about a parade that sort of like uplifts and celebrates genocide you know, the annihilation of languages and definitely, definitely 100% the oppression of two-spirit individuals who, you know, in my worldview, for the first time, probably were here since time immemorial and were highly regarded by tribal peoples as, you know, healers, as artists, as people that were just a functioning part of the circle. So all of that being said, the oppression of people, I thought it was so crucial to have a moment like this. So it was like years in the making. And what happened at the, you know, Thanksgiving Day Parade was we had um, one where it was dispelling the myth of the pilgrims, right? That they, oh, these are like significant heroes, like saved everyone and had this meal and, you know. Um, like Pil pilgrims were the the people that were killjoys in Europe. They got kicked out of Europe and then came here, and then we're like, "Oh, we don't know what we're doing." Shit, <laughs> let's like, uh, help. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Then some Wampanoag people show up, right, and exchange food and sort of, um, you know, help folks that could possibly die during the winter time, and then in turn, sort of you know, betrayals of heads getting cut off, like, you know, the murdering of people, like all these very serious things. So I think um, what was important there on, you know, that just happened was that um, the Wampanoag language and actual prayer of the people was spoken over national television. So my role was sort of stewarding um, conversations and allowing for this moment, authentic moment to happen, um, making sure that um, genocide authenticity was being seen by lots of folks writing scripts for that. So when people read the teleprompter, they were creating an accurate representation of native indigenous people. And all of that, of course, could not happen and how does this fit into, as we're talking about a trans identity, about two-spirit identity, is that uh, here in New York City, a lot of that kind of movement building for that moment is built on the labors and hands and backs and trials and tribulations and laughter and sadness and tears of queer people, of two-spirit people, of in, indigenous queer folks in New York City, and quite frankly, I think, arrest around Turtle Island too. So it was really um, terrific to have a multiplicity of people seen and not create Native people as a monolith, right? The sort of, yeah. you know, macho warrior native guy but what would it be like to see someone who identifies as two-spirit on like television um so it was a beautiful moment and i hope you all saw it if you didn't you can check it out on youtube um and so grateful for that time thanks for asking yeah, no, absolutely. Well, it was it was funny because I know uh, my my partner, my wife, was watching the parade. I didn't know this was happening until I saw your Instagram. And I saw it. we went back and watched because it was like, wait, hold on, you were yeah. there. <laughs> like, like what's going on? Like, no, it, it was great. And the company Indigenous Direction, um, you know, I, I sort of co-founded that with Larissa Fast Horse, and we brought on a. Uh, uh, 
assistance to an associate producer, uh, Jamie Lynn Abelacker, who also identifies as Two-Spirit. Um, you know, it could not have happened with this like tiny little robust team. We're like the little team that could, you know, defying all the boundaries and really, you know, holding people's accountability about what folks are really celebrating and how they're talking about it and thinking about it with friends, family, chosen family, you know, important. Yeah, like I, I think I think a lot of people, especially when they're when they're talking about the the holiday that we call Thanksgiving, um, they're worried that like, oh, well, we can we have this type of celebration right now? And feel free to let me know if I'm either overstepping or saying things incorrectly, but it, it sounds a lot more like as long as you understand the actual history of what happened, you can still have a celebration with your family uh, for something around this time. But really, as long as we're not erasing or changing the history of what people have been celebrating of this event in the past, am I, am I on the right track at least or? Absolutely. You know, the sediment of giving thanks, right, is not new, I think, to um, Native Indigenous people. And I feel like that's the sediment to glean from it, you know, without, yeah, forgetting the horrifying genocide that went along with it. And I feel like that that's important because it's like one day, but I feel as though that's a philosophy, too, that comes out of native culture in particular where I'm from Anishinaabe culture of giving thanks like every day you know trying to give thanks in some kind of way and that shit is very hard right? <laughs> so you're just gonna lean in every time you say shit <laughs> right into that <laughs> and that that's like a hard thing to do right and I like as a, a indigenous queer individual I think often think about that a lot because I'm also seeing, you know, from my point of view, a multiplicity of worlds happen at the same time, including, right, like mm -hmm. patriarchy, hierarchy, like all of these archeries and isms, you know, as a, as a, a two-spirit person like that, those things are magnified, magnified, um, period. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Period. But yeah. one project I'm working on now, which is exciting, is a queer pop-up powwow that's going to happen at the Momentary Crystal Bridges in October 2021. So if folks are listening and you'd like to come out, it's um so it's a traditional powwow that's queering space and queering time and queering artistry and what that means. Um, and it's going to feature a lot of two-spirit queer artists coming together to celebrate a powwow. And if anyone has been to a powwow in any kind of community, it's mostly a gathering of family and friends together. Um, there's usually drums and songs and dancing. But what it is is creating um, sovereignty over the body and sovereignty over space and time. So if anyone, whether folks identify as two-spirit or queer or whichever culture someone comes from it's a invite out to folks on your podcast to come and check it out if all of this pandemic passes so putting it out there no i, lo I love that yeah let me remind me when we get closer to october as well and we'll put out a little all call to to our listeners as well because that it it is so tough being in live performance and i know that that's not performance but being in some sort of live gathering live anything like i just come from the world specifically of performance like being in these spaces trying to create any kind of live gathering uh and be able to have that planning but know we're going to be in an okay state so i i think october sounds like it's far enough away that it it could be a very achievable goal. Uh, yeah. So I'm excited and hopeful for it. <laughs> oh, so. absolutely. It's, it's, I'm hopeful for it too, because it, it would be really great. And that's, that's the whole idea, right? When I think about the word um, reparations, right? Like, what does it mean to create reparations for um, yourself, right? As a trans, like queer, LBGTQ plus individual, like, what does that mean for you when you're in space? And I feel like to provide an opportunity for like that and to uplift and put um, 
you know, queer folks at the forefront. I, that's like really exciting to me. And it's so long overdue in particular within my own community. Right. But the rest of the world. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so out of curiosity, because we're, we're also recording, uh, I don't know the exact date that this is going to be released, but we are recording this uh, the day after Joe Biden has been uh, sworn in as president. I, I'm curious, like, if you don't mind talking more politics, like, do you feel like, are you feeling hopeful? Are you feeling worried? Are you feeling like, how are you feeling right now? Because this has been a very eventful couple of weeks. <laughs> Yes. Like, are you are you at least like in a good state? Are you like how how are you feeling? <laughs> uh such a good question, and I feel I feel like I can breathe. You know, I'm still on alert. I'm still on alert for sure. But at least I can take a breath today, and those small victories I think are worth celebrating in some kind of way. I think that you know. Madam VP, I was right there. I mean, let's talk about the purple power outfit first. Um, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Amazing. I was like, yes, on that outfit. I it, it, just... it felt like everyone called one another and said, okay, everything needs to match. Like, and it was really impressive. Like, you know, the mask and the and the the outfits and the jackets and the everything was like all one color and it was just like did you all go to the same tailor i am hold on <laughs> yes it was, it was happening i was like yeah. wow one of my one of my favorite memes is like you know i think it's like the rainbow flag with like and matching everyone's colors up to the flag which i like loved i was like okay mm -hmm. but um yeah so going back to your original question now that i derailed us about outfits <laughs> People, people are used to it on this podcast. It's this is okay. we're, we're, we never talk about the real topic. We talk about weird things, fringe, and then we finally get back to it. It's it's all good. It's very on brand, honestly, Ty. So. On brand. Okay, good, good. I was like, ooh. <laughs> I feel like I can take a breath for a moment, which I, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to curse again on your podcast about you know the damn rioters that stormed the Capitol. Like how intense and scary that was um and also i was in dc working on a project during that time so the at, that was the only time that i left during you know the pandemic but during that time you could feel it in the air there and i have pretty good intuition i'm a scorpio so um you know stepping outside the air was thick with just politics and ugliness and grossness and i got out of there as soon as I could and went back to New York City, um, you know, here to my apartment where I felt safe. But um, at the inauguration, I was like, oh, I, I literally was celebrating those moments. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's more to go for sure. But I watched um, Joe Biden sign all of those executive orders um, for to protect people, um, you know, like my friends who identify and all the entire spectrum is just so great to know that there's not going to be a wall put up a physical wall like <laughs> on the lands that were you know colonized already which is a huge metaphor and manifestation about how walls and binaries are put on queer individuals like that was a huge physical manifestation for it so i was like that is a good, excellent place to start what about you? What do you think? I I feel very similar. I'm I'm optimistic, but I like what's what's that word where you're not fully optimistic? It's just I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. Yes. <laughs> I was grasping for it, I found it. Yeah. I, I'm cautiously optimistic. The more now that honestly, now that yesterday happened without a hitch. Yeah. I'm feeling a lot more very much like you. Like yesterday there was still that like what's going to happen is something going to happen they keep talking about a thing happening and luckily nothing happened i have some friends who were uh street medics and they were out in dc uh during that and that's one of the things that one of them said uh i i'm not going to quote them because I, I didn't get clearance to quote them but yeah. they they said basically like i would much rather have been worried and nothing happen than be unprepared and have something happen so it was just a much better 
environment as far as like now this is over it happened it's done we had lady gaga come out we had like <laughs> it's weird like i should not be focusing on this i feel like i should not be focusing on this but it feels so good to have actual like good performers like yeah. <laughs> Yeah, was it Lady Gaga, uh, J Lo? At first, I was like Selena because I love J Lo and Selena, like the original Hello. But I still gotta sit down and watch that. I feel so like I'm I'm a bad human for not having watched that yet. But like no. I just I'm, you gotta watch the movie. The movie yeah. is like stands to tell time. It's so good. That's, that's what I hear, and like that's that's where everyone like really first fell in love with J Lo, and I'm like, all right, like I I gotta one day, one day I will. We'll, yeah. maybe we'll, do, maybe we'll do it as like a Patreon special. We'll all sit down and watch <laughs> Selena together. Yeah, um, I learned so much about, you know, just the world from watching Selena, though, that mm-hmm. movie. I was like, wow. In- including just like as a queer person mm-hmm. watching Selena, watch it with that lens. Ooh, mm. I- I'd do it again. If you host that, I'm there. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. I don't know how we would work that on Patreon, but yeah, I'll, uh, I don't know, I'll figure that out. Let me set up a thing that <laughs> I have no idea how the tech works and make it happen. Oh. Let's do it. Can someone help us figure it out out there? Yeah, someone hit us up. Get get us to watch Selena together. <laughs> uh, what are, out of curiosity, because you, you brought up uh, the idea of like Selena being a, a piece that watching it through a queer lens really kind of like opened up, uh, like opened things up for you. What, what are some other pieces is that maybe uh and i i'm throwing this at you so if you need a moment feel free to take that moment but like what are other pieces that you have experienced that have really helped open up like either either open up the queer lens or really like looking at it through a queer lens really open up uh something for you yeah um so wild there was um Ooh, well, for sure, Selena, I was like, we'll come back to that in a second. But on the trajectory of films and readings and everything like that, I, you know, on my personal journey, I'll say is I went to, you know, growing up on a small, tiny reservation community, there wasn't a whole lot of like art, or there wasn't a lot of things like what was like, literally mostly playing outside. And however you identify, I almost feel like now it's this like unicorn utopic world or something of like, letting the child be like how they want to be like some sort of like Montessori new methodology for talking gender queer politics or something. But in my community, it was like, that was just it. You got to be who you wanted to be and how you showed up, you know, in, in terms of culturally, you got responsibilities based on your personality, et cetera. Um, but in terms of like watching films and art and television and, and things. So we like mostly played outside and I like literally would dance on the weekends from like Friday to Monday um, at this place called the Roundhouse, And so it was like mostly watching people in real time how their bodies would shape in space and for myself i was like always looking at people how they moved and i think then later in the evenings after the dance was done at my home i would sort of not almost like mimic or sort of copy how people were dancing or moving in space and place their movements on myself and so I was just like tiny little kid and it I would do it to like make my family laugh to be like, oh, wow, oh my gosh, that's so and so. And after a while, people were able to like name who they saw at the roundhouse as I would like be sitting there observing people, you know, dancing, which is quite interesting when you have this like six year old imitate like a 68 year old man, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there you go. Or, you know, a very... um like sort of like like prestigious um woman in our you know tribe dancing with like large fringe and minks i would sort of imitate what what i was seeing or what i was experiencing so uh flash forward to that that was like my upbringing and then when i would go to the film movies and films and stuff into the cities my mom she worked on the indian child welfare act and it was like very politically tied not art like filled in terms of like what she did exactly, but she was doing a lot of activism and things. But 
I remember going to the art house and going to seeing these obscure art films and everything like that in Wisconsin. And it was so strange. I met a friend and my friend was like, hey, do you want to come see this film with me? And this is, you know, when I started to become a teenager. And I was like, sure. And we like snuck away to like, to go see a movie together. And the film that I saw um, was um boys don't cry actually oh wow and i had no idea what Mm. the film was about or anything we were just like going to like doing a double feature sneaking into films and stuff and Mm -hmm. i think yeah i think i was yeah just gonna about to leave wisconsin so i was like late teens or something but but anyway they were you know it was like two dollar mondays or something (laughs) and we were like screw it we're gonna do one dollar each for each movie so we went in there (laughs) sat down and watched boys don't cry like not even really understanding what any (laughs) was exactly you know you okay there yeah for those uh (laughs) water went down the wrong tube um we're just gonna pretend it was uh, emotionally invested (laughs) for boys don't cry literally Yeah. yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Right? That film. I had no idea. So I sat down and I remember watching that film and just like my whole world. I was like, whoa, you know, from everything from like, you know, like I didn't like, first of all, like the dress, like how one is seen from the outside. And it didn't even occur to me to think about what even gender expression was or anything like that that or like what that even meant so i was like a translation upon a translation because my worldview as an anishinaabe person was like oh i'm showing up how i am but then when i go to the cities in this you know other western world i'm identified in this way and then going to see that movie on top of it i was like whoa and then on top of it the whole packing part you know of like hillary swank the character sort of portraying brendan tina doing that i was just like whoa this is a thing like this is something like like i didn't you know i was trying to put everything together so so that really totally changed my life in terms of being like a you know trans mask individual too about what that means in terms of relationships with you know other people i so that was like a big deal for me too and um, I felt like I was watching this like intimate movie made just for me that I needed to see. And I was like, oh, wow, I don't even know who I should talk about it with or who to tell about this, you know. Um, but it, yeah, really opened myself up for thinking about what gender identity was in a Western society in a new kind of way and really understanding like gender politics and how that happens. Yeah, I know for for a lot of folks that I've talked to who are trans mask uh, in my generation and Boys Don't Cry for for them, it is a very intense piece. But at the exact same time, uh, for for many of them, it it felt like it did unlock something, even if they didn't really know the right words or the right description. It was sort of like that. And I've felt that with a couple of pieces myself, uh, where it's like, not specifically this, but yeah that uh figuring out and then figuring out the language later (laughs) yeah Yeah. oh for sure for sure and i also read a lot of you know like comic books as well and Mm. um was really interested in like japanese manga and different things so you know, did, you have but, a, did you have a manga that you you went to all the time, or was it like because I I sorry I I grew up on manga oh, yeah. myself, so I'm like wait yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> what were you really? Well, yeah. Some well, one of my favorites, of course, is like um, Vampire Hunter D. Oh my god! Yeah. Sorry, so I, good, right? Yeah, holy shit! Like, Vampire Hunter D is like my favorite. That is like so the thing good. that got me into anime. Like the the movies were the thing that got me into anime. Like That's holy so crap! Good, right? Yeah. Just oh and, and in that way, I was like. So it was like really, I, I, I even thinking about now, I'm like, wow, am I just like in this operating in this other world and then this other reality is existing? What's happening here, mm-hmm. right? So I was like in the world of like fantasy, in the world of like comics, and I still am, and I really appreciate it, and I love it. I love like avatars, like all those, you know, types of worlds. But I think like in terms of like the reality 
like, and I'm putting quotes around reality. You can't really do that in <laughs> podcasts, but. <laughs> it, it translates sometimes. Okay. Thank, you for, thank you for clarifying, you okay. know. <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, wow. No, this person is like wearing flannel and jeans and you know, versus like <laughs> some costume that is also reality. But you, you all get what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> this person did not have a cape on. Yeah. I, I'm curious also, just like while we're talking about media specifically, um, I so I, I'm going to bring this up because I hate it when people ask me if I specifically have examples of like, what are good representations of like trans folk in media? Because like then suddenly all of the great things that I've seen leave my brain and I'm just like, crap i know that they exist but like we we recently we had uh my friend seth from rad child podcast uh on here to talk about books that are for uh younger much younger audiences as well as parents um and one of the the books that they brought up was the Forty-Seven Thousand beads i think it's just Forty-Seven Thousand beads uh by and i apologize because i I uh, do not know how the names are pronounced, but I believe it's uh, Koha Adeoha uh, and mm. Angel Adeoha, illustrated by Holly McGillis. Wow. Uh, and that's all about a uh, two-spirit individual and sort of the, the community around this two-spirit individual finding the right outfit so that this uh, child can participate in the powwow mm. uh, and understand themselves. Uh, and... So more more than anything else, the reason I bring that up is because I'm just curious if you've seen, because I've definitely seen a lot of like bad representations of two-spirit individuals in media and just in just basically like bad, <laughs> bad representation of indigenous folks in media as well. Like, do you know any offhand that people might be able to consume like any media, whether it's book, movie, uh, other podcasts, I don't know, uh, that have really good representation of two-spirit individuals? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, there's that film that I sent to you on the IG. It's, um, and I'm probably mispronouncing because I'm not a Hawaiian lang- native language speaker, but it's, I think it's Kape Mahu, mm. which is a, um animation that one, come on, the art is brails. It's just so yeah. good. Like the way that you know, the Kimuhinas are portrayed, meaning that, you know, like two-spirit individuals or indigiqueer individuals, I think, um, you know, the, the the traditional story of how folks came to be, but the, the power that it portrays in the individuals of two-spiritness or two-spirit nature, um, like it talks about the roles and responsibilities in that animation that folks must watch. It is like a must watch just everything about it, the authenticity of that I think as an indigenous person and indigenous queer person coming together, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this because it also showed um, the relationship to land and earth that I think, you know, since time immemorial that (laughs) indigenous queer folks have had and how closely related to the land that we were, even though you know, we're like evolving beings, but it deals a lot with language. It breaks that whole thing down. It breaks down, um, I guess, like the gender expression in the animation. And I feel like it does such a brilliant job um, doing that in terms of the body being political and politicized constantly, as we all know. And it really gets um, at the spirit of that, which I think is really important. And it also talks a lot about the metamorphosis, right, that mm-hmm. comes from many Indigenous Native traditional stories about the way that Indigenous queer individuals can shape shift from one thing to the next thing, and including gender. Like, gender is, you know, yes, a part of the circle, it's not at the core. But like really looking at the the human being being a person that's being um, and not something that constructs are placed upon the individual's soul or spirit or who they are. And so there is a part in there that I think is, uh, I just, they, um, I'll describe it for folks, but must watch. Um, from the water comes like sort of almost like a, a 
like very tall, obscure looking being. And so they see um, a child on the shore and the greeting and protocol is that, um, you know, two received a gift. And so there's a gift that's ex exchanged in the animation. And one of um, the characters in it bends down on one knee and touches their forehead to the ground. And the young child puts like this beautiful floral necklace or lay around um, the individual. And it also shows the kinship that happens with that kind of youthful spirit and soul in recognition and really seeing someone for who they are. And I, I do think that youth have that regardless, right? Like it's like not until they're told otherwise will something be believed. So it's, I was just like my heart in that moment with the visuals was just like exploding with just like, ah, uh, this moment right here. So folks watch it too good, too good. Um, yeah. that's, that's one. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see the 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 full thing. I know it's a short piece. Uh, I've only seen the trailer myself, but I I really love the I really love what I saw from it. So I'm I'm very excited to check it out myself. Uh, but yeah, you but you it sounded like you had others that you wanted uh, people to check out. Oh sure, yeah. And there's also a podcast called All My Relations podcast mm. that happens um, out of Seattle, and it's Matika Wilbur and Dr. Adrian Keen. They also have like really cool interactive like website things that really talk about decolonization and decolonization through gender and sexuality. And they have some like really great um, scholars on there, really great artists um, too, that you can go to their website and check out some information if you wanted to learn more about, about it as well. So yeah. Very awesome. Uh, so there's one more topic I really want to make sure we talk about before we oh, yeah. start wrapping up. Uh, let's talk about straight white men. Um, <laughs> let's do it. To our, to our listeners. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you, Ty, were in a show on Broadway. Um, like it, it's on, it was on Broadway, right? On Broadway for yeah. sure. And you, you, so... Tech, so not technically, you are one of the first trans and non, like TGNC folk to be in a Broadway show, correct? Like out and at least like out and open yeah. TGNC, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, myself <laughs> and Kate, uh, you know, Kate Bornstein and Peppermint all at the same time. Yeah. So cool. So, so, so talk to me a little bit about that. Talk to me a little bit about uh, the show, how you got involved in it. Like what, what was the experience like being in a Broadway show? Because I realize for a lot of people, Broadway translates to uh, musical and we're on Broadway. And like, that's not necessarily what Straight Might, what Straight Might Men was. But like... Yeah, it was, you know, it was really great. Um, I'm so young. Gene Lee is such a prolific amazing artist human being i mean you know me now friend like collaborator um and so she wrote that piece and we were working on another project a film actually um and so we got to travel together a little bit and so as film has it the funding fell through for that film and then i get a phone call and she's like hey ty do you what do you think about being in a broadway show and i'm like cool what is it she's like straight white men and i was like oh cool i'm definitely not a straight white dude how can i be like in the show <laughs> this is not typecasting <laughs> exactly i was like oh goodness so but she told me what it was and i was like wow that's so interesting and um, and so we began to talk about it and talk about what the role that I would take in this show is. And then I'd be working with Kate, which is amazing. I mean, for anyone that doesn't know Kate Bornstein, which I think people do. Yep. I feel I, like most of our audience should know, but if you don't know, uh, she's friggin' phenomenal. Uh, but but go on, Ty, because I, yeah. I worked with her over over <laughs> last summer, but the the summer before that. So I but uh, please keep talking. Oh my god, yeah, no, absolutely, and yeah, if you don't know, you must know. And she identifies as like not man, not woman, and sort of you know being someone of like Jewish Jewish ancestry and you know, growing up in the seventies, like just very out and open and story that you can learn and read about. It's also like an amazing artist and book. I mean, I could go on about Kate. She's like 
the fairy goddess of trans, all the things. And so, you know, I was like, oh, cool, Broadway, that's great. But Kate, what? Oh my God, la la la. <laughs> I literally started freaking out about it. I was like, oh my God. Like, so that kind of was the excitement exciting part for me you know um and of course i i do love uh performing and and portraying and interpreting people's work as well that's something that i really love doing as you could tell from the story that i told you about when i was a child and why i do the things that i do um so that was like such a gr uh, really great experience because like uh, yes there are perks of broadway like yes someone cut my hair and did my hair for me which was so nice and gave me free like macadamia nut oil hair grease which was great because i got a lot of hair so um so that was really nice <laughs> and um but it was really great in terms of collaboration because what we had to do at the beginning of the show we were you know people in charge of basically whoever came to see the show almost like a performance art installation before they watched the show and we were the framers of how people would go ahead and view these straight white men taking a gaze into the frame of that end quote culture so i got to learn a lot about people and i think um, I was like, wow, how brilliant that only literally, I think that like trans folks could only do this part because of the utter BS from people with a particular type of privilege based on gender, based on race, based on sexual orientation. Um, all of those sorts of privileges started to come to the surface as they came to see the show because there was a very loud music that was playing having to do with all of the the private parts and people would complain about the sound they would complain about the lyrics to the songs they would complain <laughs> about so what my job was to do was to make sure that people feel comfortable so actually it was practicing radical generosity towards people and when I think about radical generosity as a, you know, queer, indigenous, queer, trans person, that is something I was like, oh my gosh, that's something I feel that today trans people do constantly, whether we all realize it or not, subconsciously and both consciously, it's radical generosity of colonization that has systematically taken trans narratives out of society out of art and so for me it was a form of social impact of, of resistance so what that's what i did for the show it was really great how did i deal with all of that <laughs> i um, i would write down people's comments i actually am going to put up soon um on my website um all the things that pe i heard people say to me as i was like helping them in practicing radical generosity but Without um, Kate Bornstein, I just, I, I don't know. Some days I'm like, she was like, you know, Ty, you just got to like breathe and really like, oh, I, so I also learned a lot working on that process with her. So I was very grateful. And um, we had so many allies slash accomplices there to like assist too because it was like broadway and so they got to learn about a lot of things and one great thing was when you have just the asinine people who do not understand you know trans or queer identity yell at us at one point on the stage we had like army hammer and some folks tweet and be like f you like you know like just stop like wow, your ugliness is showing and you need to roll back so that was actually really nice to make friends with the cast and be a family and i feel like that's what the theater or art can do is create pods of families to help keep people safe and feel special and sacred so i'm grateful for that experience yeah and i i think especially with like a long-term live performance thing you and your cast and sometimes it does like sometimes it does not happen and it, yes. it would work but like <laughs> when you're able to sort of like come together and be like okay we are going to be in this for the long haul we should really at least get along yes yeah. so true so true i was like uh well that's why when we were in trans lab i wanted to write that piece trans world with the hopes that one day any listeners out there um you know that someone would produce it because i like wow what would it be like to do a show 
or however it needs to turn out now with, you know, trans identified folks talking about just like regular life of being stuck in a house with each other to do trans tasks with one another and whatever that means. So, yeah. And for, for those that uh, weren't able to catch that, the uh, trans world was one of the projects was Ty's project for the, for trans lab uh, that we did. And it, it was really awesome just seeing a series of trans folk just living in a house, like doing like the real world, but like, what is this? Okay, I guess I'm here. All right, let's figure this out together. <laughs> it was really, it was really joyful, and like I, I think that's what I really appreciated. As much as like whenever I try and get into a piece, I'm always like heavy. What is the heaviest thing that I can do? Okay, now make them laugh, but like really hit the heavy. <laughs> it, it was nice to kind of like there were stakes, but it wasn't so like heavy and sad and oh everything everything yeah no it was it was it was a damn yeah. well it's um, like that's that's the whole thing i think like with point of view right like what's the stakes for example like a trans mask person in like thinking and about trans masculinity and being around other trans folks like whoa such a it's it, it I don't know. I'm, it gets very exciting to me. Or also to be, to what does it mean to not only be the only trans person in a situation or story, but to have friends that are also like trans or non-binary like individuals, like what does that mean? Even in the, the sort of politics around that. So I think, hello, good drama, good drama. <laughs> Yeah, and, and in real life, trans folk tend to have a tendency to congregate together in spaces, especially as a, a way of finding safety uh, as a group. And so it did feel like as much as they were a bunch of random trans folk being thrown into a house to live, you know, whatever that like quote is from the real world. Uh, <laughs> it, it's just like the fact that they, even though they had problems immediately, they still gelled and figured out how to get through them is like, oh yeah, no, that feels very, like, that feels very queer. That feels very yeah. <laughs> is very queer <laughs> i i have one uh specific kate story uh, uh that i want that i want that i really just want to tell because i I'm, I'm very proud of it uh so kate and i worked on uh shakina na fox the chonbury international hotel and butterfly club which Ooh. sadly i am not a part of the the audible production that just came out i do recommend everybody listen to it i have downloaded it it is so good and i love everyone and i it's just such an amazing piece um but we worked on it for williamstown theater festival about two years ago for their like developing pieces uh program i forget what they call it but you know, everybody's got a name name for that uh but for their developing pieces program and kate and i were in like a couple of you know we're all in a bunch of like ensemble scenes and at one point i'm just on I'm, I'm just listening to music i'm walking i'm getting ready i'm just chilling out outside and kate uh says to me and like i i see kate is sitting there so i just take off my headset and i'm just like oh hey how are you and she was just like i just want to tell you you are just so sexy and i was just like <laughs> Yes. It was just like in the way that Kate does. Wow. And it was just like we we had like a whole conversation. It was just like it was so nice. And she was just uh, like, the way you carry yourself and the way you and so yes. I, I immediately called my wife afterwards and she was like, Look, if you want to write Kate Bornstein says I'm sexy and put it and frame it, and put it on your wall, I'm fine with that. Yes. I haven't done that yet, but yeah, you know, I just need to get a frame. Uh. <laughs> That's such a good story. I love it because I can picture her saying that and like the whole world just like stopping and the, in the way that only Kate can. Uh, yeah. That's so good. You should have Kate on the show. I should. I should reach out. I'm people that are cool. I like I'm very intimidated by even if I know them, even if they're my friends. That's why it's taken so long to get you on the show. Tonight. It's like no. you're cool. Did you <laughs> Hey, we could talk about wrestling. That's how we were I'm, you know, I'm so into it. talk about wrestling. <laughs> well, I got I got you in because you asked for my ratatouille recipe and I was like, hey, what <laughs> you want to be on like my podcast? I don't know, like maybe, you know, you don't have to. But like, you know, it's it's a good ratatouille recipe. <laughs> I know, I still have to try and make it. I'm learning how to cook. 
I mean, I kind of can, but I'm like, I'm real trying. I'm like, when the <laughs> pandemic ends, I have to keep my promise to the the trans folks that came to the writing lab and make dinner. Hell yeah. Well, yeah. Like if you ever, if you ever want to chat about cooking, I realize that this is getting more into personal as opposed to specific podcasts. I'm like, like, let me know if you ever want to just like chat about cooking, because that's a thing that I, I'm not a professional, but it's a thing that I do. And it's one of the things that I enjoy. So. Oh, nice. I love it. Oh, that'd be cool. Like live podcast cooking. I'm into that. Let's do this. Let's cook together on Patreon. <laughs> the thing with cooking is that the I was realizing is like they don't they don't go so specific. So I'm like, okay, the water's there, and then it's all of a sudden it's boiling. But what they don't tell you is like what kind of pot to put the thing in. And I'm like, wait a minute, you told me to do this. So anyway. <laughs> It's boiling, but it's boiling in the tiny pot. Should I move it immediately? Yeah. Stay boiling. Is it going to ruin the water? No, I understand. A lot, of, a lot of it is because, like, baking is a science. Cooking is a feeling. <laughs> That's really wow. Like the other, the other trick is it does obviously with spices. It does taste better if you cook it within, but you can add more spices after. So if you're like, if you're worried, put in a little bit of spice. Like put in a little bit of basil, put in a little bit of oregano, and then afterwards you could you could dash a little bit more basil. You can dash Ooh. a little oregano, but really, really, salt and pepper. Those are your best friends. Salt and pepper. A little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper. You can really like honestly, once you start experimenting with your salts and your peppers, you can start experimenting with more stuff. But those are the real like, <laughs> those are the real starter ingredients. You wanna you wanna get better. You wanna make sure you put in a little bit of pepper into everything. I feel like this ingredients talk is like getting into like trans relationships now, <laughs> like, but a metaphor for that. Here's the thing. Like, I probably want to talk about cool things. How, how you experiment. <laughs> how, how to get into trans culture. A little bit of salt, yes, a little bit of pepper. And some cayenne. <laughs> oh, you see, that's the thing. Then you add a little bit of cayenne. Like I keep doing this thing. I kept replacing chili powder with cayenne pepper. Oh my and God. Not the same thing, and you like I love I love spicy, so it's okay. But it's just like oh, I put too much cayenne pepper in this. So we should start wrapping up uh, just because we're reaching that time. Oh. Uh, so Ty, tell yeah. people tell people how to find you on the internet if you want them to. It's totally respectable to say I don't want you to find me. Just look at <laughs> my best word. No, I would love for people to find me, and I'm on Facebook. If people use Facebook anymore. Um, Ty Defoe, T-Y-D-E-F-O-E. I'm also on IG. I definitely use IG. Definitely. So it's just Ty Defoe. And then if you tweet yet, I don't know. It's um, Ty Defoe. And then I'm also on Snapchat. I don't use Snapchat as much. I do make stickers on Snapchat, which is super fun for me. Scratch and sniff stickers. (laughs) (laughs) Now I got to get them to smell. It'd be great. Um, so people go there. I also, my website, of course, like I'm, um, continuing to update that just tied to foe.com. And I'm also part of a, um, collective called all my earth. And I'm working on a project there right now. If folks want to check it out called Gishaba Gijig revolving sky. And I'm actually, actually, there's a form on there. If you're interested in telling a story about the stars, because I'm like, uh, queerness, queerness, all of that, and the stars all go together. If people, it's like story core meets like queerness meets um, digital VR mapping meets theater. It's this really interesting um, project for sure. Um, evolving around star stories, noting that everybody has a story to tell. And I, my whole thing is amplifying the voices of um, queer individuals. So if people wanted to donate a star and have it be part of the collective um, on the interwebs or part of the galaxy out there, um, the character is Junyas that falls down from the sky and is trying to make their way back home, but can't because of all of the light pollution. So it's like also very science fiction. And part of that entire piece is about sharing stories together about the stars. And um so that's so people could go there and I'd love to hear from folks if they're interested in doing that. And you yourself too, Ashley, if you'd like to, you know, be a part of it. I'd yeah. love to hear you talk about the stars. That sounds really cool. I'd, yeah. I'd love to check it out because yeah, that sounds so cool. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's very cool. Yeah, send uh, send me the website to that and basically everything that you mentioned. Okay. All of it. Well, there was yeah. a quote by Janet Mock that really you know struck me in thinking about the stars, and Janet Mock um, says like we are constellations of experiences, expressions, and identities. Ours is a mesmerizing constellation so vast it can't be contained, so plentiful it can't be denied, so brilliant it shines through the dark. And that has, I've always kept that with me as a, you know, trans individual thinking about the stars and continuing to tell our stories and archiving them so that they can live on to the future. Wow. Yeah. I would see. I'd, I'd love to end it there, but I need to tell everybody how to find me. Yes, <laughs> that's such a great yes. Ender, but yeah, uh, but if you want to keep listening to the Is a Transphobic podcast, uh, you you can listen to it on uh, however podcasts are found. You can find us at Is It Transphobic on Twitter, at Is It Transphobic on Instagram. Uh, you can also go to isittransphobic.com. I'm so excited that I have that website because yes. it's perfect for this podcast. Uh, but yeah, we're also making a concerted effort to try and get our Patreon uh, numbers up. We're trying to bring it up to $250 a month by June. And if we don't reach that goal, we will have to kind of figure out what the future of the podcast is. And that's totally fine. It very well just may be infrequent. It may be that uh, we got to retire it, but it's going to be a good 2021. I'm so excited. Uh, if you So if you have a dollar that you want to give me a month, uh, go to isittransphobic.com, donate to our Patreon, $1 a month. That's all it takes. And then you get episodes one week early mini episodes like this amazing one that i just recorded with ty you get that one month early before anyone else so ty thank you so much for being on the podcast this was so fun uh thank you i'm gonna go donate right now love it donate donate (laughs) donate don't hesitate (laughs) amazing (laughs) 